Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Captain Jim Palmer. Welcome to another fantastic live episode of Dream Business Radio. As I said, I'm your host, Captain Jim, and we are, we're, Stan and I are battling some Wi-Fi issues, which is probably my fault since I'm in this rolling tin can here, otherwise known as my uh, my mobile home. Anyway, I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind Coaching Program, creator of No Hassle Newsletters, and again, host of Dream Business Radio. It's an, a podcast I created in in 2009 to help you grow your dream business. And this is episode 591. And let me tell you about my guest today, Stan Gibson. And Stan is a corporate executive turned author, speaker, leadership consultant. And he has become a very, very much a sought after speaker through the, throughout the U.S. for his message that both inspires and engages others to greatness. Stan is a longtime corporate real estate executive with over 35 years of leadership with Fortune 500 firms. His ability to mix and communicate strategies on the athletic field and in the business world is timely to all leaders wanting to reset at home and in the workforce. Stan has a tremendous passion for well-being as a consultant, helping business leaders and their teams through transformation as they learn to trust, engage, and create clarity. Clarity is very important, by the way. His passion for leadership inspired his best-selling book, Living a Rich and Intentional Life. And Stan on the personal side is married to Sharon for 42 years. I only got you by one, Stan, we're 43. Together, they have created a, uh, a passion for servant leadership and contagious spirit of enthusiasm. I think that all got out with any with any glitches. How you doing today, Stan? Fine, Jim. If we didn't lose him there, we, you know, then maybe, maybe we got a chance at making this work. That was a little <laughs> uh, bit of a long, uh, uh, you know, career uh, story on me. But hey, let's let's get into this and let's have some fun, Jim. Yeah, as you and I were both um, talking for about ten seconds before we pushed live, and folks, yes, I know we're we're a little tardy. <laughs> I think I'm going to blame myself because I am on portable Wi-Fi. But um, yeah, it was just. Um, Stan's got a, I, I met him, I'm going to say about a month ago. I said, man, I need to have you on my program. But Stan, let's start, let's start at the beginning. I'm guessing when you were in high school pondering your next move, you probably didn't say to yourself, you know what? I really want to become an author, speaker, and leadership consultant. <laughs> so what, what happened? Did you go to college? Give, fill in a little bit of the um, blanks before in high school and starting your own business. You know, that's a great question. Yeah, I really haven't been asked that question going back to that point in time. But, you know, it's funny you do ask it because I grew up on a farm. In fact, I said, you know, my wife and I, OK, so you've got us by a year uh, in marriage, but we've known each other since third grade. So we, we grew up in the Midwest. Oh, we grew up in uh, the farm. You got us beat with that then. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought well, I would find a way to one up you there. But no, I'm just kidding. We uh, yeah. Uh, so, so so, you know, the farming. In the summer, you know, if, if you if you want a job, and I know that a lot of you may not know what I'm talking about, but we either walked beans, which means that you just walked endlessly bean fields pulling out weeds uh, for $2 an hour, or you baled hay, you put it into the hot tin 
uh, you know, metal, metal barn. Or the third thing was, you know, you became a pig farmer. And, and so I had all three of those, but it was that day on the pig farm that it was like 98 degrees and 100% humidity. And I was out there in the lot and I just said, you know what? I don't know how. I don't know where. But somehow I'm gonna do I'm gonna wear a, I'm gonna wear a white shirt someday and I'm gonna I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna have an office. And so that became my, like my defining moment. And even when I speak today, I will oftentimes ask audience, what was your defining moment? When did you say enough is enough? And I'm not gonna take a, a, you know a, a job like this. So anyway, not to make a not to make that the whole story here, but yeah, that was my time. And I said, I'm going to college, I'll find a way to get through it. And it's been nonstop ever since. So you, so do you do a lot of, tra well, let's say pre-COVID, did you do a lot of traveling? And is that back up and running or have you shifted to more Zoom style? You know, I do both. And in fact, you know, before COVID, I actually, I worked, uh, I've got 40 years as, uh, you know, working for wow. you know, Fortune 500s or, or, or as an entrepreneur. But I, the last 13 years before I left uh, this business, I was, had a team and uh, we uh, did all the real estate strategy for Wells Fargo globally. So yeah, I do travel. <laughs> I've traveled a lot in my lifetime uh, in my uh, real estate career, <clears throat> but you know, uh, I would say, yeah, I still do about half and half. There are a lot more opportunities right now, especially since I do a lot of keynote speaking, I do a lot of corporate speaking, but there are people that say, hey, you know, can you do this virtually? And yeah, you know, that's fine. That's that's the world we live in today. I'm working with uh, uh, with a team next week and they're global. And so like, um, you know, I start at 530 in the morning um, because, you know, we're, we're we're with people from Asia and around the world. So, you know, the virtual piece, you know, it works. Uh, and yeah. uh, I, I so much prefer uh, in person if we can do it. But, you know, I'll do it either way. When you're doing virtual, I mean, and you start at five in the morning, I'm guessing you have a button up shirt here and you're still in your sweatpants down below, most likely, right? Not to tell um, any secrets out of school. Well, if you're watching this right now. I actually do have sweatpants on right now. And, uh, you know, we, we can live in a lot more. You know, it's funny. I, I've got enough decades under me. I can remember going to work in a three-piece suit. Uh, oh, I yeah. can remember back when, you know, they introduced casual Friday and it's like, who's going to put some definition around that? Uh, you know, it looked like the company picnic after about uh, three weeks of people showing up. So I've been through all the phases and I've often said, even though I did in my twenties, I had that nice class office. I had that white shirt. I've never been yeah. more happy now, taking my scooter yeah. to the coffee and you know, just my, pulling up. A my late father-in-law was a, um, one of the early space engineers with General Electric and back, you know, the black suit with the thin black tie in the 60s. And I remember years ago when, when Casual Friday came in, he go, this is this is the beginning of the end of corporate America. <laughs> well, he probably wasn't terribly wrong, but oh, uh, no. that was so yeah, funny. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. People all have a different sense of what uh, fashion should be. Stan, I know you do a bunch of keynotes, and I know two of the most popular ones you do. One of them is called From Worst to First, Five Keys to Unlocking the Impossible. And I know IM is in kind of parentheses there. Tell us a little bit about that for those people who might not get a chance to see you speak. Sure. It actually was quite uh, – it was really the, a defining moment for me as it relates to leadership. I went to uh, a college called Eastern Illinois University, and at Eastern Illinois – 
it was very ironic because when I went there, it was my freshman year and it was, you know, I thought this team's going to be awesome. And, and they lost every game of the year until the last one, they went one and 10. And I was just blown away because I knew the talent was good. And, and, you know, so to me, you don't keep your job in college football if you lose 10 games. So they fired the coach, brought mm-hmm. in a new guy by the name of Daryl Mudra. And Daryl Mudra, uh, he was also known as Dr. Victory, but he had some really interesting leadership techniques in that he came in and he said, you know what, gentlemen, I know nothing about football. And that was the first thing he did. He had authenticity. He didn't come in and try to tell us, you know, hey, I'm, you know, and again, with a nickname like Dr. Victory, wouldn't you think he's going to come in and tell you how great he is? But he actually said, you know, the most success I've ever had was coaching my grandson's uh, peewee football into the the city championship. But what he did was he had that authenticity, which is a part of leadership. Know who you are, know who you're not. The second thing he did was he hired a pretty good staff of, of, you know, 20, early 30-year-old coaches. In fact, one of them had just went to Eastern Illinois University two years earlier, three years earlier, uh, by the name of Mike Shanahan, who has three Super Bowl Mm. rings. Oh my goodness! And 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 his son, who just coached, uh, you know, uh, just coached the 49ers in the Super Bowl, wasn't even born yet. Tells you how old I am. <clears throat> but so so Mike, <laughs> Mike Mike wasn't even the coach that was supposed to make it to the NFL. He's got others on that staff that you know. One of them is the Hall of Fame for uh, historical uh, black uh, 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 schools, uh, HSCB. But anyway, he 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 could pick talent. So he's authentic. He's very authentic. He can pick talent. And then he said something else really great, Jim. He said, so while we're going to be the coaches, each and one of you out there, all you, you are really the most important part of this process. Because when you're out there in the field, you know if you're getting beat or you know if you're beating the guy across. If we don't know that information, we can't make in-game adjustments. We just can't. Mm. And in fact, Daryl Mudra, he was so unique. He coached from the press box. Because he said, I, I really don't know what's going on. I'm just here to kind of put the whole thing together. Think about CEOs today or running your company where you're A, you're authentic, B, you know how to pick talent, and C, you have a people-centric organization where you're relying on them as much as they're relying on you. And I'll give you the real kicker to this, this worst to first. My freshman year, they went one in 10. Now, not in my best judgment, but I redshirted my sophomore year, which actually the very next year they won the national championship. So oh, they boy. went from worst to first. And the ironic thing, Jim, is same talent. Yeah, they brought in about five, four or five really good players that that, that, that wasn't that, that what they did was they put the players that were there in the right position. The quarterback moved out I to wonder. a wide receiver. The, 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 the linebacker yeah. had to think too much. They put him on the edge rush, on the edge to rush. He became an All-American. And, and, and they had all these All-Americans within, within one year, and it was the same players playing on a 1-10 in 10 team. Mm. I wonder how that would go over today. I mean, I love the message. And when you said, you know, with the, you know I'm not the best and said anything, I wonder how that would go over today. I mean, when you hire somebody like the leader, head coach, or the CEO or whatever, you expect them to to have that gravitas, right? That confidence. But it's almost like admitting you, I have faults, but it's okay because you guys are great too. It's that's kind of what I heard. Maybe I mis misheard it, but it, it was obviously very successful, right? 
No, but I'll tell you what, <clears throat> I think it's very relevant today because when he came in, I will tell you what, while he did not understand or know the X and O's as well in football, mm -hmm. he made it very clear he understood people. And he was a yeah. student of philosophy. He understood Socrates. He understood all the Greek philosophies. <clears throat> and so, so he had a mind. And I've said this, I've been on uh, you know a lot of, uh, even in my keynotes and a lot of podcasts, I've said, you know, a lot of people get elevated because they're smart. And really, even with artificial intelligence, the playing field is getting leveled even more and more. Life is an open book test. But the part that's not is the emotional intelligence. It's the ability to, to take that information and work with people. And that's really where a lot of my consulting and my coaching comes in, is helping leaders and managers <clears throat> on the emotional intelligence portion. Uh, and, 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 and then the other piece where I'm kind of unique is that I have all this research. I'm just a geek when it comes to well-being. When it comes to how the brain works, how the body works, how do you get out of burnout? How do you, how do you get the best, you know, the most optimal amount of sleep, nutrition, exercise? What are the right routines? Uh, how big are routine do routines play in your life? What are the metrics you're supposed to be looking at to make sure that you've got enough energy? So when I say metrics, you know, I have, in fact, I was just on a meeting with a client this morning. And we started talking about, you know, you know, there's different types of measurables that you can use. One is a whoop. Uh, another one is I use a Garmin, a Garmin products to, to, to measure my sleep and my, my stress. A third is an aura ring, but there are different wearables. And so mm. I get into the, the uh, well-being aspects of leadership as well as the EQ or the emotional intelligence as well. Burnout to me is one of the biggest threats to companies today, especially, you know, larger companies with big teams, but even solopreneurs. Um, is that something that you've seen just like in the last 10 years? Has that been progressively getting worse or how big of a problem is burnout? You know, it's a good question. I, I, I'm really, I think it's getting worse. But as I say that, I mean, you know, because of the pandemic, a lot of people are mm -hmm. able to level set a little bit by working at home. And of course, people are trying to bring them back into the office, which I don't think there's an absolute. I don't think one one. You know, I don't think it should be 100 percent in the office nor 100 percent at home. But I will say that, you know, the pandemic did force people into saying, you know, I can be effective and have a life balance being at home. And I realize that employers pay the checks. They're the one to take on the risk. So there is a mm -hmm. certain amount of collaboration of bringing them back in the office. I have some very definite opinions on that, given that I was in corporate real estate for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I not only found the brick and mortar for people to, to office in, but I had to know how they office best and where they office best. So I do believe that there is, is, is a lot more work to be done. But you asked a question, are people burnt out? Yeah, people are burnt out. Uh, you know, there's so much more global responsibilities. I'm working with a client that, uh, you know, as soon as we, we we started, she just said, I'm gassed. I got nothing in the tank. And mm. and and when we, before we could even start doing working on coaching, we had to work on her. Yeah. And I often say, you know, if you're not well at home, it's going to carry over into work. And if you're not well at work, it's going to carry over at home. And so, you know, we had to sit down and start to look at, the routines from the time she got up in the morning. And of course it involved, uh, you know, turning on the TV, watching a lot of bad news. Uh, yeah. you know, it was, you know, getting into email and getting into stress from, you know, within the first 10 minutes of waking up, it was donuts. It was this, it was that we totally revamped, uh, her health style 
And within two months, she just said, my goodness, I've never had this kind of energy. And so you've got to look at your morning routines. You've got to have good evening routines and you've got to know the whys. And, and I love telling people, it's one thing for me to kind of suggest what to do. It's yeah. another thing to know how the brain and the body works and why it responds to these healthy routines. Well, that's so, man, I, I, I could go 20 different rabbit holes on that, but I got to keep moving on. You know, it's interesting what, what you said there about um, there's no success at home with it. Well, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, one of one of my earliest mentors who I loved reading his books was Zig Ziglar, and he used to say that too, right? He used to date the redhead every day, you know, until, until she passed, or I forget if he passed or she passed first, but it was like their whole life dating because there was no success at, at work if you don't have success at home, right? So, um, so you wrote this book, "Living a Rich and Intentional Life." What a what a crazy cool title! Tell me about your book. When did you write it, and, and what's it about, Stan? Well, you know, you never let a good pandemic go to waste. So, you know, <laughs> you have all this time there. on your hand. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so you know, because I'm very active. I'm always out, you know, I'm golfing, I'm playing soft, I'm doing something. But she couldn't do that during this time frame. So anyway, you know, I'd had people for years because even though I was in the corporate world, I was still doing a lot of motivational speaking. And uh, I was also, you know, so I was, I was kind of working on plan B for about 10 years. But I kept having people tell me, you need to put this into a book. You need to put this into a book. So that was a mm. great time to go ahead and put it into the book. And, you know, one of the, the, the first chapter is, and I'll just give it away, is, you know, about uh, eight to nine years previous to that, my wife and I were having dinner. And we were out, you know, at a, at a nice little restaurant and uh, a friend walked by. And I mean, this guy's like, I just admire this guy so much because he's not only CEO of a company, he's... He and his wife have a have a marriage ministry across the world, and he's a foster parent, and he's just oh, this amazing wow. human being. And he walked by, and hey, we caught up for about five minutes. Hey, we haven't seen each other for a while. Hey, we need to get together. He walks away, and then about five minutes later, he walks back. He says, "I just feel like I need to tell you." He said, "Yeah, I've got a very rare form of cancer," mm. and he said, "I have probably." a 50-50 chance of making it for five more years. And I just wanted you to know. And of course, you know, you're, you don't know what to say. When somebody yeah. says something like that, your jaw drops. And so, you know, he leaned in though. And he said, he said, you know, while I wish I didn't have this diagnosis, Stan, he said, it's been the most fascinating 90 days of my life. I've had these conversations with my wife. I've never, we've never really had before. I've, I've taken my kids on separate vacations and said, what do you need from dad before he leaves? And even at work, I, I've moved from being CEO to chairman and I've delegated work to some of the people that really can do it even better than I can. And he said, so I've had this great, you know, this great transformation. But then he looked and he said, you know what? When death becomes certain, life becomes rich. When death becomes certain, life becomes rich. And when he said that, Jim, it made me think, why do we wait to get sick? To get well. Uh -huh. I know. Why do we wait in life? And we think we, you know, we're so invincible. And why do we wait for that time to say, now I'm going to get serious about life? So I then kind of coined the term rich and intentional life because I believe that we need to be intentional. I wish somebody would have told me when I was in my 20s or 30s what intentional meant. I think I would, you know, probably violated most of the rules. I, I, I should have. It was all about me. But now I love to go back and coach people on living a rich and intentional life, Jim. You know, you say that and everything you said is is people should really take to heart. But what I 
I'm not even sure if I shared when I was 41, I was diagnosed with melanoma and we didn't mm. know if it was stage two or stage three. And I had no even clue what melanoma was. And the surgeon said, well, I said, well, what's, what is this stage one, two, three? Well, if it's, if it's stage two, your chances on average, your chance of being alive in five years is like 80, 80%, 80, 20. To me, I'm like, I was told I had cancer like two weeks ago. Okay, th those are pretty good odds, I thought. And I said, well, doc, what if it's stage three? He goes, well, it's 50-50, which hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was definitely a defining moment in my life. And it changed how I how I live, how I view things. But it's it's interesting that it's almost like it's a, it's like a gift, especially if you survive and you keep going. But it's hard. And you could you and I can share that with other people, Stan. But it's almost like you don't know what it's like until you face that. Right. Um, it, 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 it's, it's such a defining moment, I guess. Right. So it really, it really is. And, you know, in fact, one of the things I often, and, and there's, a, in fact, I gave you the first chapter of the book, I'll give you the last chapter too. So you can kind of speed read to the end, but I talk a little bit about, I always say that leaders need to be a little selfish to be very selfless. And what I mean by that is, you know, my wife was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma stage four back in uh, 2018. It was in her bone marrow. It was obviously very serious. And, uh, you know, all, although this was all about her, I had to start kind of uh, doing, you know, owning up to what I preached to others. I had to take mm -hmm. care of me because, you know, I had to be a little selfish. I had to, you know, I started getting up earlier. I started getting up at five. I was going through, you know, workouts, prayer, meditation. I was going through all the things I coach clients on how to do mind, body, and soul, because I figured, you know, the first hour and a half needed to belong to me because the next, you know, 15 waking hours had to belong to her. I was also, you know, in charge of a team that, you know, managed, you know, a couple billion dollars worth of real estate. I had other commitments in order for me to take care of all these responsibilities. I had to take care of me first. So that became mm -hmm. a big part of living a rich and intentional life is you've got to take care of you so that you can you can be a servant leader and take care of others yeah you can't pour from an empty cup as they say in right. you know what i mean um right. I, I i i love the conversation let me let me steer it a little bit back toward the one of the things that i uh, when i came across your name is you have something people-centric culture people-centric leadership what are I think you had either five or seven keys, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sorry for not knowing that off the top of my head. What are some of the um, people-centric um, keys to, to leadership, Stan? Yeah, well, let me give you a few of them right now. And we've already okay. talked about some of them, even through uh, through my, my, my football experience. But I will tell you, in fact, I've got a, a master class coming up in about another month and a half. And, 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 and that's going to really cover on, it'll cover on all seven. And if you go to my website, StanGibsonSpeaks.com, I give that away. It's a PDF. Uh, okay. uh, that, uh, you know, I love for people to read about, but, you know, to me, even though there's seven, they can almost be in, encompassed into a three-legged stool. One of them is this, this, you know, authenticity. It's this EQ. It's this, this ability to know who you are and know who you're not. Uh, again, I, I really believe that better, the best leaders learn to coach. In fact, I have a saying that when leaders learn to coach, employees learn to lead. And so even just this morning, I was talking with a leader because, you know, we were talking about you've got to learn how to reframe, ask questions. You've got to quit enabling. You're the smartest guy in the room. We all know it, but you can't continue down that road. It's not, you know, we've got to work on the emotional intelligence. So I work with a lot of teams, not only on their ability to lead differently, 
but we also do a lot of self-awareness and we do team awareness. So that's that's component number one. The second component is really around this well-being, because I really do believe that you've got to take care of you. And when you understand the science around it, you're right, we're all facing burnout. And so that's a very critical component, too. And then the third piece is I believe that people don't use their time wisely. I think productivity is if you want to really live a truly a balanced life, you have to understand how to condense a 12-hour workday into eight hours or into seven hours. And there's so many different different uh, things, whether it be systems that you're using, whether it be, and I'll just give you an example, uh, even a, a very simple example. Our brain weighs two, uh, two to two and a half percent of our body weight, yet it consumes over 25% of our energy and our output. And wow. when we're on a computer screen all day, and especially on Zoom, Zoom, and especially even it even magnifies when you're looking at yourself instead of somebody else, but it actually taxes the output of the brain 1.5 to 2, 2x. So when you, you've been on, on, on the computer screen or, the, or, or your phone excessive amounts of time, what might seem like an 8 to 9 hour day is a 13 to 14 hour day. Your brain has mm. literally been taxed that much. So understanding you know, how, to, how to, to, to be more productive and you know, the fact that we all make 35,000 decisions a day and how to start to build routines so that you can kind of go on autopilot for the things that deserve to be on autopilot and keep those brain cells that you need for doing your job or doing the things that uh, around the house with, you know, with your spouse, with your kids that you want to do. So I, I kind of look at it in those three buckets, but there are several different subcomponents in there that make up the seven uh, components of a people-centric leader. Stan, I feel like I just scratched the surface. I would love to have you back in a couple of months or so if, you're, if your schedule That's, permits. I want to make sure you saw sure. this because you're probably paying attention. Jeff Herring is a friend and a longtime coaching client, and he's also been a guest on the show three times over the last like six years. He says, with the possible exception of me, Stan's the best guest you've ever had on. <laughs> so there well, you go. Thank you, High praise. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and I, I see you're down in Florida. Are you in Florida? Is that where you are? We are in Florida. Yeah, we're in Ocala, Florida right now. We'll be in Florida for another month and then we um, hit the uh, the Gulf Coast and then up through Alabama and going into the Great Smoky Mountains. We're going to see as much of this big, beautiful country as we can as long as this. Well, good. Well, if you stop by. Um, so Hurricane Ian uh, took us out of commission. So we actually have residents uh, uh, in Placida, which is right outside of the island of Boca Grande. And so we haven't been there for a while because... Uh, Again, it takes a while to get things rebuilt. We're actually out in Scottsdale right. for a year or two with our grandkids. But uh, no, it's, Florida is very special to us. And when you say Captain Jim Miller, I just get excited because I know a lot of a lot of great captains down there that take us on great boating uh, expeditions. And uh, we just, uh, that's a big, big part of that culture down there. And it's awesome. Wonderful. Hey, Stan, how can people uh, connect with you? Where do you want them to go? Do you want them to go to Amazon for the book or do you have it at your website? Go ahead and uh, give the 411. You can do either, but I'll tell you what, I would really prefer you go to StanGibsonSpeaks.com and I'll tell you why. Because there you can either A, pick up the, uh, you can pick up the PDF on the seven habits of highly effective leaders, or you can also go into the resources and you can pick up, I have a PDF on living a rich and intentional life. You know, how, what is the science behind sleep? What is the science behind uh, exercise and nutrition? So you can get that there, but also the kicker to that is 
I have a newsletter that comes out on Thursday, and it's a quick one. And, and while, mm. while I don't understand the magic of it, I just write what, what I think people are interested in. I have a very high open rate. It's like 50%, and they tell me 10 to 15 is wow. like good. And so anyway, if you, want, if you want to be part of this, I've got a couple of different formats that I use uh, um, that people love. And again, it touches on well-being. It touches on leadership. And it also touches on what my wife and I are watching, reading, or doing because it tends to be things that people want to watch, read, or do as well. So if you come to my website, we'll get you hooked up on any of those. That's awesome. Stan, thank you. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Love it. And uh, thanks to all your listeners. May you all live a rich and intentional life. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode with Stan Gibson. You can connect with him at StanGibsonSpeaks.com. You can connect with me at GetJimPalmer.com. If you're interested in joining me and about 27 other very smart entrepreneurs in my Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, you go to DreamBizCoaching.com, DreamBizCoaching.com. This interview will live on in infamy at my YouTube channel starting tomorrow. It's a good way to share it rather than trying to share social media. Uh, hey, by the way, remember, you can get free digital copies of all six of my books at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and they're also in the iBook store. But that's it. Until this time next week, another fantastic episode. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, and I'm a dream business coach, and you take good care. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Captain Jim Palmer. Welcome to another fantastic live episode of Dream Business Radio. As I said, I'm your host, Captain Jim, and we are, we're, Stan and I are battling some Wi-Fi issues, which is probably my fault since I'm in this rolling tin can here, otherwise known as my, uh, my mobile home. Anyway, I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind Coaching Program, creator of No Hassle Newsletters, and again, host of Dream Business Radio. It's an, a podcast I created in in 2009 to help you grow your dream business. And this is episode 591. And let me tell you about my guest today, Stan Gibson. And Stan is a corporate executive turned author, speaker, leadership consultant. And he has become a very, very much a sought after speaker through the, throughout the U.S. for his message that both inspires and engages others to greatness. Stan is a longtime corporate real estate executive with over 35 years of leadership with Fortune 500 firms. His ability to mix and communicate strategies on the athletic field and in the business world is timely to all leaders wanting to reset at home and in the workforce. Stan has a tremendous passion for well-being as a consultant, helping business leaders and their teams through transformation as they learn to trust, engage, and create clarity. Clarity is very important, by the way. His passion for leadership inspired his best-selling book, Living a Rich and Intentional Life. And Stan on the personal side is married to Sharon for 42 years. I only got you by one, Stan, we're 43. Together, they have created a, uh, a passion for servant leadership and contagious spirit of enthusiasm. I think that all got out with any with any glitches. How you doing today, Stan? Fine, Jim. If we didn't lose him there, we, you know, then maybe, maybe we got a chance at making this work. That was a little <laughs> uh, bit of a long, uh, uh, you know, career uh, story on me. But hey, let's let's get into this and let's have some fun, Jim. Yeah, as you and I were both um, talking for about ten seconds before we pushed live, and folks, yes, I know we're we're a little tardy. <laughs> I think I'm going to blame myself because I am on portable Wi-Fi, but um, yeah, it was just um, 
Stan's got a, I, I met him, I'm going to say about a month ago. I said, man, I need to have you on my program. But Stan, let's start, let's start at the beginning. I'm guessing when you were in high school pondering your next move, you probably didn't say to yourself, you know what? I really want to become an author, speaker, and leadership consultant. <laughs> so what, what happened? Did you go to college? Give, fill in a little bit of the um, blanks before in high school and starting your own business. You know, that's a great question. Yeah, I really haven't been asked that question going back to that point in time. But, you know, it's funny you do ask it because I grew up on a farm. In fact, I said, you know, my wife and I, OK, so you got us by a year uh, in marriage, but we've known each other since third grade. So we, we grew up in the Midwest. Oh, we grew up in uh, the farm. You got us beat with that then. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought well, I would find a way to one up you there. But no, I'm just kidding. We uh, yeah. Uh, so, so so, you know, the farming. In the summer, you know, if, if you if you want a job, and I know that a lot of you may not know what I'm talking about, but we either walked beans, which means that you just walked endlessly bean fields pulling out weeds uh, for $2 an hour, or you baled hay, you put it into the hot tin, uh, you know, metal metal barn. Or the third thing was, you know, you became a pig farmer. And, and so I had all three of those, but it was that day on the pig farm that it was like 98 degrees and 100% humidity. And I was out there in the lot and I just said, you know what? I don't know how, I don't know where, but somehow I'm gonna do I'm gonna wear a, I'm gonna wear a white shirt someday and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yep. I'm gonna have an office. And so that became my, like my defining moment. And even when I speak today, I will oftentimes ask audience, what was your defining moment? When did you say enough is enough? And I'm not going to take, a, you know, a, a job like this. So anyway, not to make a, not to make that the whole story here, but yeah, that was my time. And I said, I'm going to college. I'll find a way to get through it. And it's been nonstop ever since. So you, so do you do a lot of, tra well, let's say pre COVID, did you do a lot of traveling and is that back up and running or have you shifted to more zoom style? You know, I do both. And in fact, you know, before COVID, I actually, I worked, uh, I've got 40 years as, uh, you know, working for wow. you know, Fortune 500s or, or, or as an entrepreneur. But I, the last 13 years before I left uh, this business, I was, had a team and uh, we uh, did all the real estate strategy for Wells Fargo globally. So yeah, I do travel. <laughs> I've traveled a lot in my lifetime uh, in my uh, real estate career, <clears throat> but you know, uh, I would say, yeah, I still do about half and half. There are a lot more opportunities right now, especially since I do a lot of keynote speaking. I do a lot of corporate speaking. But there are people that say, hey, you know, can you do this virtually? And yeah, you know, that's fine. That's that's the world we live in today. I'm working with uh, uh, with a team next week and they're global. And so, like, um, you know, I start at 530 in the morning um, because, you know, we're, we're we're with people from Asia and around the world. So. You know, the virtual piece, you know, it works. Uh, and yeah. uh, I, I so much prefer uh, in person if we can do it. But, you know, I'll do it either way. When you're doing virtual, I mean, and you start at five in the morning, I'm guessing you have a button up shirt here and you're still in your sweatpants down below, most likely. Right. Not to tell um, any secrets out of school. Well, if you're watching this right now. I actually do have sweatpants on right now. And, uh, you know, we, we can live in a lot more. You know, it's funny. I, I've got enough decades under me. I can remember going to work in a three-piece suit. Uh, oh, I yeah. can remember back when, you know, they introduced casual Friday. And it's like, who's going to put some definition around that? Uh, you know, it looked like the company picnic after about uh, three weeks of people showing up. So I've been through all the phases. And I've often said, even though I did in my 20s, I had that nice class office. I had that white shirt. 
I've never been yeah. more happy now taking my scooter yeah. to the coffee shop and you know, just my, pulling up a My late father-in-law was a, um, a one of the early space engineers with General Electric and back, you know, the black suit with the thin black tie in the 60s. And I remember years ago when, when Casual Friday came in, he go, this is, this is the beginning of the end of corporate America. <laughs> Well, he probably wasn't terribly wrong, but oh, uh, no. that was so yeah, funny. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. People all have a different sense of what uh, fashion should be. Stan, I know you do a bunch of keynotes, and I know two of the most popular ones you do. One of them is called From Worst to First, Five Keys to Unlocking the Impossible. And I know IM is in kind of parentheses there. Tell us a little bit about that for those people who might not get a chance to see you speak. It actually was quite, uh, it was really the, a defining moment for me as it relates to leadership. I went to uh, a college called Eastern Illinois University. And at Eastern Illinois, it was very ironic because when I went there, it was my freshman year and it was, you know, I thought this team's going to be awesome. And and they lost every game of the year until the last one. They went one and 10. And I was just blown away because I knew the talent was good. And, and, you know, so to me, you don't keep your job in college football if you lose 10 games. So they fired the coach, brought mm -hmm. in a new guy by the name of Daryl Mudra. And Daryl Mudra, uh, he was also known as Dr. Victory. But he had some really interesting leadership techniques in that he came in and he said, you know what, gentlemen, I know nothing about football. And that was the first thing he did. He had authenticity. He didn't come in and try to tell us, you know, hey, I'm, you know. And again, with a nickname like Dr. Victory, wouldn't you think he's going to come in and tell you how great he is? But he actually yeah. said, you know, the most success I've ever had was coaching my grandson's uh, peewee football into the, the city championship. But what he did was he had that authenticity, which is a part of leadership. Know who you are. Know who you're not. The second thing he did was he hired a pretty good staff of, of you know, 20 early 30-year-old coaches. In fact, one of them had just went to Eastern Illinois University two years earlier, three years earlier, uh, by the name of Mike Shanahan, who has three Super Bowl mm. rings. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and his son, who just coached, uh, you know, uh, just coached the 49ers in the Super Bowl, wasn't even born yet. Tells you how old I am. <clears throat> but so, so Mike, <laughs> Mike, Mike wasn't even the coach that was supposed to make it to the NFL. He's got others on that staff that, you know, one of them is the Hall of Fame for uh, historical uh, black uh, 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 schools, HSCB. But anyway, he, he, he could pick talent. So he's, authentic, he's very authentic. He can pick talent. And then he said something else really great, Jim. He said, so while we're going to be the coaches, each and one of you out there, all you, you are really the most important part of this process because when you're out there in the field, you know if you're getting beat, or you know if you're beating the guy across. If we don't know that information, we can't make in-game adjustments. We just can't. Mm. And in fact, Daryl Mudra, he was so unique. He coached from the press box because he said, I, I really don't know what's going on. I'm just here to kind of put the whole thing together. Think about CEOs today or running your company where you're A, you're authentic, B, you know how to pick talent, and C, you have a people-centric organization where you're relying on them as much as they're relying on you. And I'll give you the real kicker to this, this worst to first. My freshman year, they went one and 10. Now, not in my best judgment, but I redshirted my sophomore year, which actually the very next year, they won the national championship. So oh, they boy. went from worst to first 
And the ironic thing, Jim, is same talent. Yeah, they brought in about five, four or five really good players that that, that, that wasn't. That, that what they did was they put the players that were there in the right position. The quarterback moved out I to wonder. a wide receiver. The, 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 the linebacker yeah. had to think too much. They put him on the edge rush, on the edge to rush. He became an All-American. And, and, and they had all these All-Americans within, within one year, and it was the same players playing on a 1-10 in 10 team. Mm. I wonder how that would go over today. I mean, I love the message. And when you said, you know, with the, you know, I'm not the best and said anything, I wonder how that would go over today. I mean, when you hire somebody like the leader, head coach or the CEO or whatever, you expect them to, to have that gravitas, right? That confidence. But it's almost like admitting you, I have faults, but it's okay because you guys are great too. It's That's kind of what I heard. Maybe I mis, misheard it, but it, it was obviously very successful, right? No, but I'll tell you what, <clears throat> I think it's very relevant today because when he came in, I will tell you what, while he did not understand or know the X and O's as well in football, mm -hmm. he made it very clear he understood people. And he was a yeah. student of philosophy. He understood Socrates. He understood all the Greek philosophies. <clears throat> and so, so he had a mind. And I've said this, I've been on uh, you know, a lot of, uh, even in my keynotes and a lot of podcasts, I've said, you know, a lot of people get elevated because they're smart. And really, even with artificial intelligence, the playing field is getting leveled even more and more. Life is an open book test. But the part that's not is the emotional intelligence. It's the ability to, to take that information and work with people. And that's really where a lot of my consulting and my coaching comes in, is helping leaders and managers <clears throat> on the emotional intelligence portion. Uh, and, 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 and then the other piece where I'm kind of unique is that I have all this research. I'm just a geek when it comes to well-being. When it comes to how the brain works, how the body works, how do you get out of burnout? How do you, how do you get the best, you know, the most optimal amount of sleep, nutrition, exercise? What are the right routines? Uh, how big are routine, do routines play in your life? What are the metrics you're supposed to be looking at to make sure that you've got enough energy? So when I say metrics, you know, I have, in fact, I was just on a meeting with a client this morning. And we started talking about, you know, you know, there's different types of measurables that you can use. One is a whoop. Uh, another one is I use a Garmin, a Garmin products to, to, to measure my sleep and my, my stress. A third is an aura ring, but there are different wearables. And so mm. I get into the, the uh, well-being aspects of leadership as well as the EQ or the emotional intelligence as well. Burnout to me is one of the biggest threats to companies today, especially, you know, larger companies with big teams, but even solopreneurs. Um, is that something that you've seen just like in the last 10 years? Has that been progressively getting worse or how big of a problem is burnout? You know, it's a good question. I, I, I'm really, I think it's getting worse. But as I say that, I mean, you know, because of the pandemic, a lot of people are mm -hmm. able to level set a little bit by working at home. And of course, people are trying to bring them back into the office, which I don't think there's an absolute. I don't think one one. You know, I don't think it should be 100 percent in the office nor 100 percent at home. But I will say that, you know, the pandemic did force people into saying, you know, I can be effective and have a life balance being at home. And I realize that employers pay the checks. They're the one to take on the risk. So there is a mm -hmm. certain amount of collaboration of bringing them back in the office. I have some very definite opinions on that, given that I was in corporate real estate for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I not only found the brick and mortar for people to 
to office in, but I had to know how they office best and where they office best. So I do believe that there is 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 a lot more work to be done. But you asked a question: Are people burnt out? Yeah, people are burnt out. Uh, you know, there's so much more global responsibilities. I'm working with a client that, uh, you know, as soon as we 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 started, she just said, "I'm gassed. I got nothing in the tank." And mm. and and when we before we could even start doing working on coaching, we had to work on her. Yeah. And I often say, you know, if you're not well at home it's going to carry over into work. And if you're not well at work, it's going to carry over at home. And so, you know, we had to sit down and start to look at the routines from the time she got up in the morning. And of course it involved, uh, you know, turning on the TV, watching a lot of bad news. Uh, yeah. You know, it was, you know, getting into email and getting into stress from, you know, within the first 10 minutes of waking up, it was donuts. It was this, it was that we totally revamped uh, her health style. And within two months, she just said, my goodness, I've never had this kind of energy. And so you've got to look at your morning routines. You've got to have good evening routines. And you've got to know the whys. And, and I love telling people, it's one thing for me to kind of suggest what to do. It's yeah. another thing to know how the brain and the body works and why it responds to these healthy routines. Well, that's so, man, I, I, I could go 20 different rabbit holes on that, but I got to keep moving on. You know, it's interesting what, what you said there about um, there's no success at home with, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, one of one of my earliest mentors who I loved reading his books was Zig Ziglar. And he used to say that too, right? He used to date the redhead every day, you know, until, until she passed, or I forget if he passed or she passed first, but it was like their whole life dating because there was no success at, at work if you don't have success at home, right? So, um, so you wrote this book, Living a Rich and Intentional Life. What a what a crazy cool title. Tell me about your book. When did you write it and, and what's it about, Stan? Well, you know, Jim, never let a good pandemic go to waste. So, you know, <laughs> you have all this time there. on your hand. <laughs> yeah, you know, so so you know, because I'm very active. I'm always out, you know, I'm golfing, I'm playing soft, I'm doing something. But she couldn't do that during this time frame. So anyway, you know, I'd had people for years because even though I was in the corporate world, I was still doing a lot of motivational speaking. And uh, I was also, you know, so I was, I was kind of working on plan B for about 10 years, but I kept having people tell me, you need to put this into a book. You need to put this into a book. So that was a mm. great time to go ahead and put it into the book. And, you know, one of the, the, the first chapter is, and I'll just give it away, is, you know, about uh, eight to nine years previous to that, my wife and I were having dinner. And we were out, you know, at a, at a nice little restaurant and uh, a friend walked by. And I mean, this guy's like, I just admire this guy so much because he's not only CEO of a company, he's, he and his wife have a, have a marriage ministry across the world. And he's a foster parent and he's just oh, this wow. amazing human being. And he walked by and, hey, we caught up for about five minutes. Hey, we haven't seen each other for a while. Hey, we need to get together. He walks away. And then about five minutes later, he walks back. He says, I just feel like I need to tell you. He said, yeah, I've got a very rare form of cancer. Mm. And he said, I have probably a 50-50 chance of making it for five more years. And I just wanted you to know. And of course, you know, you're, you don't know what to say. When somebody yeah. says something like that, your jaw drops. And so, you know, he leaned in though. And he said, he said, you know, while I wish I didn't have this diagnosis, Stan, he said, it's been the most fascinating 90 days of my life. I've had these conversations with my wife. I've never, we've never really had before. I've, I've taken my kids on separate vacations and said, what do you need from dad before he leaves? And even at work, I, I've moved from being CEO to chairman and I've 
delegated work to some of the people that really can do it even better than I can. And he said, so I've had this great, you know, this great transformation. But then he looked and he said, you know what? When death becomes certain, life becomes rich. When death becomes certain, life becomes rich. And when he said that, Jim, it made me think, why do we wait to get sick to get well? Uh-huh. I know. Why do we wait in life? And we think we, you know, we're so invincible. And why do we wait for that time to say, now I'm going to get serious about life? So I then kind of coined the term rich and intentional life because I believe that we need to be intentional. I wish somebody would have told me when I was in my 20s or 30s what intentional meant. I think I would, you know, probably violated most of the rules. I, I, I should have. It was all about me. But now I love to go back and coach people on living a rich and intentional life, Jim. You know, you say that, and everything you said is is people should really take to heart. But what I, I'm not even sure if I shared, when I was 41, I was diagnosed with melanoma. And we didn't mm. know if it was stage two or stage three. And I had no even clue what melanoma was. And the surgeon said, well, I said, well, what's, what is this stage one, two, three? Well, if it's, if it's stage two, your chances, on average, your chance of being alive in five years is like 80, 80%, 80%, 80-20. To me, I'm like, I was told I had cancer like two weeks ago. Okay, th those are pretty good odds, I thought. And I said, well, Doc, what if it's stage three? He goes, well, it's 50-50, which hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was definitely a defining moment in my life, and it changed how I how I live, how I view things. But it's it's interesting that it's almost like it's a, it's like a gift, especially if you survive and you keep going. But it's hard, and you could you and I can share that with other people, Stan. But it's almost like you don't know what it's like until you face that, right? Um, it, it it it's it's such a defining moment, I guess, right? So it really it really is, and you know, in fact, one of the things I often and, and there's a, in fact, I gave you the first chapter of the book. I'll give you the last chapter too, so you can kind of speed read to the end. But I talk a little bit about. I always say that leaders need to be a little selfish to be very selfless. And what I mean by that is, you know, my wife was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma stage four back in uh, 2018. It was in her bone marrow. It was obviously very serious. And, uh, you know, all, although this was all about her, I had to start kind of uh, doing, you know, owning up to what I preach to others. I had to take mm -hmm. care of me. Because, you know, I had to be a little selfish. I had to, you know, I started getting up earlier. I started getting up at five. I was going through, you know, workouts, prayer, meditation. I was going through all the things I coach clients on how to do, mind, body, and soul. Because I figured, you know, the first hour and a half needed to belong to me. Because the next, you know, 15 waking hours had to belong to her. I was also, you know, in charge of a team that, you know, managed, you know, a couple billion dollars worth of real estate. I had other commitments. In order for me to take care of all these responsibilities, I had to take care of me first. So that became mm -hmm. a big part of living a rich and intentional life is you've got to take care of you so that you can you can be a servant leader and take care of others. Yeah, you can't pour from an empty cup, as they say. In, right. You know what I mean? Um, right. I, 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 I love the conversation. Let me, let me steer it a little bit back toward the... One of the things that I, uh, when I came across your name is you have something people sent culture, people-centric leadership. What are, I think you had either five or seven keys, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sorry for not knowing that off the top of my head. What are some of the um, people-centric um, keys to, to leadership, Stan? Yeah, well, let me give you a few of them right now. And we've already okay. talked about some of them, even through uh, 
through my, my, my football experience. But I will tell you, in fact, I've got a, a master class coming up in about another month and a half. And, 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 and that's going to really cover on, it'll cover on all seven. And if you go to my website, stangibsonspeaks.com, I give that away. It's a PDF uh, okay. uh, that, uh, you know, I love for people to read about. But, you know, to me, even though there's seven, they can almost be in, encompassed into a three-legged stool. One of them is this, this you know, authenticity. It's this EQ. It's this, this ability to know who you are and know who you're not. Uh, again, I, I really believe that better, the best leaders learn to coach. In fact, I have a saying that when leaders learn to coach, employees learn to lead. And so even just this morning, I was talking with a leader because, you know, we were talking about you've got to learn how to reframe, ask questions. You've got to quit enabling. You're the smartest guy in the room. We all know it, but you can't continue down that road. It's not, you know, we've got to work on the emotional intelligence. So I work with a lot of teams, not only on their ability to lead differently, but we also do a lot of self-awareness and we do team awareness. So that's that's component number one. The second component is really around this well-being, because I really do believe that you've got to take care of you. And when you understand the science around it, you're right, we're all facing burnout. And so that's a very critical component, too. And then the third piece is I believe that people don't use their time wisely. I think productivity is if you want to really live a truly a balanced life, you have to understand how to condense a 12-hour workday into eight hours or into seven hours. And there's so many different different uh, things, whether it be systems that you're using, whether it be, and I'll just give you an example, uh, even a, a very simple example. Our brain weighs two, uh, two to two and a half percent of our body weight, yet it consumes over 25% of our energy and our output. And wow. when we're on a computer screen all day, and especially on Zoom, Zoom, and especially even it even magnifies when you're looking at yourself instead of somebody else, but it actually taxes the output of the brain 1.5 to 2, 2x. So when you you've been on 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 the computer screen or the or, or your phone excessive amounts of time, what might seem like an eight to nine hour day is a 13 to 14 hour day. Your brain has mm. literally been taxed that much. So understanding you know how to how to 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 be more productive. And, you know, the fact that we all make 35,000 decisions a day and how to start to build routines so that you can kind of go on autopilot for the things that deserve to be on autopilot and keep those brain cells that you need for doing your job or doing the things that uh, around the house, with, you know, with your spouse, with your kids that you want to do. So I, I kind of look at it in those three buckets, but there are several different subcomponents in there that make up the seven uh, uh, components of a people-centric leader. Stan, I feel like I just scratched the surface. I would love to have you back in a couple of months or so if, you're, if your schedule That's, permits. I want to make sure you saw sure. this because you're probably paying attention. Jeff Herring is a friend and a longtime coaching client, and he's also been a guest on the show three times over the last like six years. He says, with the possible exception of me, Stan's the best guest you've ever had on. <laughs> so there well, you go. Thank you, High praise. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I see you're down in Florida. Are you in Florida? Is that where you are? We are in Florida. Yeah, we're in Ocala, Florida right now. We'll be in Florida for another month and then we um, hit the uh, the Gulf Coast and then up through Alabama and going into the Great Smoky Mountains. We're going to see as much of this big, beautiful country as we can as long as this. Well, good. Well, if you stop by. Um, so Hurricane Ian uh, took us out of commission. So we actually have residents uh, 
uh, in Placida, which is right outside of the island of Boca Grande. And so we haven't been there for a while because, uh, again, it takes a while to get things rebuilt. We're actually out in Scottsdale right. for a year or two with our grandkids. But uh, no, it's, Florida is very special to us. And when you say Captain Jim Miller, I just get excited because I know a lot of a lot of great captains down there that take us on great boating uh, expeditions. And uh, we just uh, that's a big, big part of that culture down there. And it's awesome. Wonderful. Hey, Stan, how can people uh, connect with you? Where do you want them to go? Do you want them to go to Amazon for the book or do you have it at your website? Go ahead and uh, give the 411. You can do either, but I'll tell you what, I would really prefer you go to StanGibsonSpeaks.com and I'll tell you why. Because there you can either A, pick up the, uh, you can pick up the PDF on the seven habits of highly effective leaders, or you can also go into the resources and you can pick up, I have a PDF on living a rich and intentional life. You know, how, what is the science behind sleep? What is the science behind uh, exercise and nutrition. So you can get that there. But also the kicker to that is I have a newsletter that comes out on Thursday and it's a quick one. And, and while, mm. while I don't understand the magic of it, I just write what, what I think people are interested in. I have a very high open rate. It's like 50% and they tell me 10 to 15 is wow. like good. And so anyway, if you want, if you want to be part of this, I've got a couple of different formats that I use, uh, um, that people love. And again, it touches on well-being, it touches on leadership, and it also touches on what my wife and I are watching, reading, or doing, because it tends to be things that people want to watch, read, or do as well. So if you come to my website, we'll get you hooked up on any of those. That's awesome. Stan, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Love it. And uh, thanks to all your listeners. May you all live a rich and intentional life. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode with Stan Gibson. You can connect with him at StanGibsonSpeaks.com. You can connect with me at GetJimPalmer.com. If you're interested in joining me and about 27 other very smart entrepreneurs in my Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, you go to DreamBizCoaching.com, DreamBizCoaching.com. This interview will live on in infamy at my YouTube channel starting tomorrow. It's a good way to share it rather than trying to share social media. Uh, hey, by the way, remember, you can get free digital copies of all six of my books at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and they're also in the iBook store. But that's it. Until this time next week, another fantastic episode. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, and I'm a dream business coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.